Welcome to Unsigned Hype episode 5. On this episode, I have the pleasure to talk to the incredible artist Nana Bikul from Columbus, Ohio. Prior to her interview, I asked Nana which song he would play for someone that wasn't familiar with his music yet. He chose a song Green Light featuring Don Knock, and if you're not familiar with Nana's music yet, here's a snippet of that song before we jump into the interview. Rivers and lakes between us. This is Unsigned Hype, and the song you just heard is called Green Light by Nana Bikul, and I have the absolute pleasure to welcome Nana to the show today. Nana, why is Green Light the song you would play for someone that has never heard your music before? Um, I think right now, I, I was actually just speaking to Don Knock yesterday, and I, I just have plans to try and blow that song up. So it's my favorite song right now that I have. So I, I, I don't have like any crazy reason but it, it just feels good so yeah that's where I would, that's where i would like to start with yeah <laughs> so so maybe let's let's dive into the the history of of nana be cool a little bit okay from from what i know i think your first releases came out in 2012 2013 around that time yeah actually i mean yeah i guess officially yeah i, I used to be in like some bands and some rap groups and stuff but i would say yeah 2012 yeah actually yeah that's crazy that, that's yeah. a that's a 10 year <laughs> run so I'm, I'm curious to hear how you would describe the trajectory of your career um since then mm -hmm. since 2012 yeah um in 2012 when i was releasing um there's this project i had called room 102 and it was with um these guys from columbus ohio their name is fly union and they were like at the time, they were kind of like the biggest group in my city, and they sort of took me under their wing and like produced my music, uh, brought me to the studio, like connected me with like a publicist, just just kind of showed me the ropes a bit. Um, but at that moment, I was like, I was working at, I was working in finance, um, <laughs> and I was, I think I was just trying to make songs. I wasn't necessarily telling like a true full story of myself yet or like really opening up on the tracks i was just trying to like make a verse just make something that sounded somewhat good you know um but to where i am now um i mean there's been a lot of ups and downs but like like you said like i've been i've been in europe now i've, I've played so many shows like i'm still on this grind but like i think i understand a lot more of what it takes at that time i just made the music put it out i figured oh fly union helped me out so like people will hear it if they hear it but now it's like nah like um you gotta you gotta like go hand to hand and like just keep working it and keep working it and keep making more music and keep making more music so i think i just understand my journey a lot more now you know so. yeah there's there's so much to untangle here I, I so that that day when you when you start putting out music for the first time what what's what's your goal in that moment is it just to play around and try things out and see where it goes or mm -hmm. with your first ep the first uh -huh. uh, room 102 i think it mm -hmm. was mm -hmm. 103 102 yeah room 102 yeah room 102 what what was what was your goal in that moment when you recorded your first tracks for that i mean 
at that time, I just wanted to pop off in Columbus. There was a street called High Street, and that's where like all the rappers and artists and visual artists, people used to hang out at like this really cool shoe store. It's called um, Soul Classics. I'm pretty sure it's still there. Um, and this was like the blog era, actually. So I don't know. I just wanted to be on like rap radar or something, <laughs> you know, and, and just like be known in Columbus, which is so funny looking at it now because I've been living in New York for like 10 years at this point. So, yeah. Yeah. But that's not that's not really the first touch point you've had with music. Right. I mean, I know early family piano recitals. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. that that you've had so music was always also in your family i think a, a very important important aspect so when mm -hmm. when was the day or the time you really felt like this is something i want to pursue as a career if i'm being honest i feel like it's always been something that i've wanted to pursue i just didn't know how to do it for real um like i grew up in like a family that played like my dad plays piano at the church my cousins play like all types of instruments. I feel like I'm the only like vocalist in the family for real. Like I could be wrong, but like from everybody I know, like I'm like the only like vocalist for real, for real. But I have a lot of musicians in the family and a lot of creatives. Um, but when I turned, um, I was like 16, 17. Like I used to write raps. I used to sing. I used to talent shows. I used to dance heavy, like, uh, dance battle so like the creative music stuff has always been around but when I turned 16 17 is when I got my first like recording setup in my basement and I started like all the kids from the neighborhood used to come to my place and just freestyle and the people that weren't good I kicked them out <laughs> um and then I started and then it like it started with like eight of us then it dwindled down to like six of us into like four and then it was just, like me and this other guy um my homie Maurice and we just had like a rap group and we were just we made like our first album which was on like put on like myspace we burned a bunch of cds i was so hyped that day <laughs> we burned a bunch of cds and took it to school and sold it to people i can't believe we sold it but we sold it to people for like five <laughs> bucks and they bought it which That's awesome kind of funny because like the music like, it wasn't good for real like it was just we were just hyped to hear our voice and we were just finding beats on limewire like of our favorite songs. And so that's kind of how it, that's really how it started. But I just never stopped from there. Like it was like every day I was learning something new or just the more I did it, the more I got better, the more I met other people that were trying to do stuff and it just kept following me. So, and, and yeah. when you're 16, 17 recording these first tracks, I mean, you, you, you mentioned how, how you sold some of the CDs at school and stuff like back then you, you must've, I mean, you, you think that it sounds good enough for people to hear it. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. but then in hindsight, obviously it was the beginning. There's so much growth behind, right. you know, building a career mm -hmm. and getting better. Yeah. When was for you the, the moment you recorded something where you were like, this, this is it. Like I, I, I have it here. I think there's like two moments. So when I was in college, I was in a band and it was like, it was like an eight piece band. So we had like three or we had four vocalists, one girl that was like a poet and she rapped another girl that sang me who sang and rapped another guy that sang and played the drums, keyboard player, guitar, all that. But the four vocalists, we would record the music before we played it live. And we made this song 
And I was like, I kind of was like, this is like, like, this is something. And it won like a songwriting award at, um, or I, I won the songwriting contest for it. Um, they like have this thing like the ASCAP, I forgot what it's called, like this ASCAP like gathering that they do every year in LA. And so like I, I was able to enter it and I was able to get like feedback from other like songwriters that were writing for like, I don't know, like Chris Brown and signed artists and they were giving me feedback about the music. And that was the first time where I was like, yo, like, it's not necessarily a hit, but it's like something that people could hear and be like, oh, these guys kind of know what they're doing. Um, but I would say like, that was like the beginning, but I would say the first time for real, for real, where I was like, I know what I'm doing now was uh, my song, Love You. Um, that's on my EP, uh, 2 AM Cruise. So it's just like, it, it's really just been a journey, man. Like, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you approach anything differently from, I mean, I guess, I guess you mentioned it's the journey, right? So I, I was wondering if you approached anything mm -hmm. differently from, from, from the, between that track that you recorded then that you thought was mm -hmm. kind of listenable for people versus the things you did before that. Mm -hmm. um, but I guess it's all growth, right? I mean, it's what you mentioned. It's yeah. just getting better at something you do every day and you pursue. Right, right. Um, Exactly. However, there's there's always an evolution in sound, I would say. So mm -hmm. with Room 102, you know, you've had mm -hmm. tracks like Crazy Baby. No, even before, <laughs> I think, crazy. was that was yeah. that off your first EP, Crazy Baby? And I noticed these were the yes. songs, right? <laughs> yeah, that's funny. That I can't believe you found that. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so you, obviously there's an evolution there, right? So mm -hmm. there's an evolution in sound. Is there a way for you to describe how artists find their sound? I mean, for me, how I look at it for, I can speak for myself, but it's like in the beginning, you're like just imitating your favorite, your favorite artist, you know, like, um, and there's phases like my, f the first track I really remember recording over was, um, uh, Dipset has a song called Honey Dip and I recorded over it and I sort of was using the melody of the hook of the actual song Honey Dip and then putting in my own words. Like that's how I was recording stuff at first. Like I would find the beat and usually whatever song that was, whatever lyrics that was already over it, I changed it and made my own lyrics, but use the same melody. Honey dip, that's crazy. Yeah, honey dip, yeah, yeah, yeah. When I'm dipping on it, yeah, that's yeah, that's crazy. I love that yeah. song. Actually, it, it, was it featured? Um, did it feature Jaja? There was it was was she on there? Do you remember that that female Dipset MC that they signed? I'm not because it rings a bell. No, the song I'm rings a bell. Sure. I, I, I'm a big Dipset fan, so I I think it's okay. yeah. It was uh, it featured oh, man. It was a guy singing. Sort of like, like, nah, 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 my honey even, dip. I, I, it's just, yeah, um, man, who was I'm, I'm like, I'm actually like, looking no, that's up. great because I'm also um, very curious just to know who, who was uh -huh. on that song. Who was all so it was actually a Jim, it was actually Jim Jones' record, actually, it was, it was his solo record. Now that I'm looking at it, and it was on Product and, of My Environment, right? The album that he put out, is that possible? It was actually on Diary of a Summer. Diary of a Summer. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, so actually it was Jim Jones. Yeah. That's funny. I, I was saying it was like a dipset like type of anthem, but it was Jim Jones. I'm not sure. Dang, I don't know who was the guy singing on the hook. 
But I feel like Jewel's was on the. I feel like Jewel Santana was on that song too, though, for some reason. Yeah. So that's that's the first instrumental um, instrumental you take to to basically sing over or rap over. I'm I'm positive that was the first one that I did on my own, and then I know the second one was the blast, um, Talib Kweli, um, like reflectionally reflection eternal. I know that for a fact. Awesome. And yeah, like those two is like I remember that being you know, and we were using the melodies that they were using and just putting in our own words. Um, and then I think it got to a point where I was sort of imitating, like you can still kind of hear it in my stuff now and I'm not imitating. It's just like influent influential, but like Lloyd is one of my favorite R and B singers. Like I like, I sort of like that thin voice. Like, I kind of like Michael Jackson. I want to say when I listened to tracks like crazy baby, or I noticed, I don't remember which one, but I heard mm -hmm. a lot of Lloyd in there. So, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, man. So like Lloyd, uh, Q-Tip. So yeah, I mean, like that's kind of how my trajectory has gone is like, it's it's funny. It's like, you're not even doing it on purpose. You just listen to somebody so much yeah. that when you start doing your own thing, you're just like, you're just, you might sound like them. There was a time when Lil Wayne was so popular. Like anytime we would all freestyle, we're like doing like the Lil Wayne voice and stuff like that. So like, yeah. Yeah, man. You know, until you figure your your vibe out, and then it starts to go from there. So you you you've mentioned the circumstances around your first EP, but what I what what I want to get to is um, this question of you you're finding your sound, you're experimenting with your first tracks, you're putting stuff out there. How do you approach building a music career from that moment? Because there must have been that moment uh, mm -hmm. where you thought. Yes, I'm doing this and I will pursue this mm -hmm. now. But this yeah. it's just like such a vast mountain of things that you have to overcome to actually right. get started in music. I was wondering if you could give a bit of um yeah, a, a bit of background on how you how you moved forward from that moment. Yeah, I think um I was reading this book The Alchemist and it was like talking about uh this guy's like personal journey. And I was working, like I was working in finance, I had a pretty good job or decent job, like starter job. And it was like, I was looking at the people that were five years above me at that job. And I'm like, do I want to be there in five years? And the answer was no. <laughs> right. And then I was meeting and I had friends that were, I had one friend specifically that was a dancer and he dropped out of college and went to pursue his dance career. And by the time I had graduated college, he was in his dance career, you know, like, was he the most known dancer of all time? No, but he was working. He was working as a dancer. So it was just like, to me, it showed me he spent all those hours. His nine to five was practicing and rehearsing, going to auditions, this, then the third. And it kind of showed me like, the more you do something, the more opportunities you're going to get. So then it made me feel like I had to spend more time on my craft. So it went from me like being at work, I get off work, do my thing like in my room, just in the, like in my like recording space, just making songs to like visiting New York and meeting other artists that weren't working nine to fives, but were just hustling on the side. And I just like, I just thought to myself, if I put in this, if I don't put in as much time as these guys and I'm not, I'm never going to be as good as them. Like it's kind of impossible You know, that's how I felt because I kind of am a person that, you know, they say like, do you just jump in the pool or do you like take the stairs in? 
I have to just be thrown in. <laughs> so yeah, like it, it, like I started saving money and to like quit my job. I quit earlier than I planned, <laughs> but, and then it just, I just was like there. Like I just, I was just like thrown in the fire, you know? Um, and, and then I started from there pretty much. There's so much risk involved in these situations where you, you know, you have a stable job, a stable income at least, and you want to pursue mm -hmm. your passion. What made you decide to choose a music career basically? Like what, what is the aspiration that moment to do it? It, it's like, like I said, like it's always, okay. So I grew up in a musical family, but like when I went to, I grew up in Columbus, Ohio, number one. Right. And Ohio is not necessarily known as like the music capital of the world, but everywhere that I went in Columbus, whether it's my neighborhood of friends that were like, in, like not even necessarily encouraging me, but we were all so into music, right? Or into dancing and stuff like that. Like that, like that's kind of random to me. But then my school, we had like a really prolific choir. Like we used to tour the city. I was in there too, right? So it's just always been with me. Even the college I went to, like, there's two guys that were in my band that are still making music to this day. Like one is actually signed to rock nation right now. His name is Dixon. Um, it's just like, I went to this small school, like what are the chances that that happens? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it just, it just keeps following me like everywhere I go. And it's not like it's following me as in like, Oh yeah, I see this guy singing. It's just like, yo, do you want to join our thing? Or like, Oh, you want this talent? It's just like, I'm like standing out in these places. So it's like, I'm not about to just like, not go for it, you know, because the worst, I mean, and I'm privileged enough that the worst that could happen is, I guess I would go back home to Ohio and find a job again. And yeah, I don't know, man. It's like an addiction. Ah, man, that's, that's great. I mean, it's great. I, and I do, I mean, obviously it's the, you're, you're so talented and I really, really do enjoy everything that you've put out. Um, so Oh, word. Thank yeah, you. yeah. So, I mean, obviously, it was it was the right decision to quit that job back in the day and to go all into <laughs> music. Yeah. What are some of the challenges, though, that you would say for artists in your position that are or that you know that have a job and that quit their job to pursue music full full time? Mm -hmm. What have What are some of the the roadblocks that you've encountered the most? Can you Can you talk a little bit a little bit about that? I think like the the changing of the different outlets, like like I was mentioning earlier, there was a point where it was like the blog era and you're like, you want to get featured on Complex or Rap Radar or Nah Right or something. And if you get on those things, maybe like a bunch of labels will see you and you might sign a deal. Um, nowadays, you know, it's social media. So like there's so many more artists now, you know, and like there's so many people to sift through and, I mean, there's room for everybody, but there's also like, just as a listener, you don't have to go and buy a song and be like, this is a song I'm listening to today. It's like, you have Spotify, you can listen to everything, every every second, like I can listen to everything today if I want, like from rap music, rock and roll, country, I don't have to pay a dime. I mean, I pay monthly or you can just go on YouTube, you know? So it's it's sort of like finding ways to push through the cracks finding money to push through the cracks to like market yourself, um, building the fan base. It's, it's tough, man. It, it's, it's like really a tough job. Even, even to this point, I'm still figuring out how to take it to the next level. You know, it's like you see people like getting to this place and then, you know, like the back end stuff. 
and you're just like, man, okay, so I really need like a marketing budget. And you're like, how do I get that? You know, um, like something I learned even in Berlin is, you know, some people like get grants um, from like the government or whatever, like artist grants. It's not, I don't know how simple it is out here to do that, but like even understanding that is like something that I now have in mind. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, And man. how, yeah. do you have a blueprint in mind already of how you can take it to the next level? Is there something that you're currently working on or looking into Like the grants, for example, what is something someone that is where you are right now in your position with the career that you have mm. going to do right. to bring this yeah. to the next level and to reach more people and to become even more successful? I mean, I've learned a lot about uh, the past few years. I've had like some support, uh, not all my support, but some support from like Puma. I've done like some photo shoots and like some brand partnership situations where like They've, they actually even helped me out when I was in Berlin, you know, like awesome. I was wearing Puma like the whole time I put together, I put up like some different, you know, content for them and it like helps me out a little bit financially. Um, and I can, I've even used, um, I have a video coming out actually, uh, next month for my song Lifeline and they, they helped me pay for that video. So like I put together decks like all the time, <laughs> reach out to brands, show them like what I could do for them. And like, you know, awesome. it's, it's like a, it's definitely like an interesting way to go about it, but that's, that's like, that's the game man. it's, it's a business. So. Yeah. Talking about the game, I'm wondering what you today, you wish you would have known about the music industry. I think I've, I probably would have skipped um, getting a loan for college and I would have just loaned, I would have just <laughs> took a year and just loaned it toward my music career, honestly. Like, I mean, it's, that sounds like very like simple and to be real, I wasn't good enough at the time, but my school was pretty expensive. So <laughs> I could, I could use that instead, honestly, you know, like, especially if I, if I really knew like this is what I want to do. And I feel like I always knew that I just didn't have, I didn't have the wherewithal yet. Like I didn't know how it was going to get done. You know, um, I didn't understand the business at the time, but now that I do, then yeah. Yeah. If I was speaking to myself and I was guiding myself back then, I'm like, yo, this is what you got to do, man. Um, but, but it's not just money, obviously like a lot of time and, and practice and figuring out your sound. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the feeling that I get from looking at your discography and also seeing how you've promoted that EP, the 2AM Cruise EP. Mm -hmm. um, you released that in 2017. Mm -hmm. um, there was a bit of time in between, I think like around two years that you've been working on it mm -hmm. and you were touring and doing a bunch of stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering, first, is that EP, would you consider that EP your first real EP as Nana Bikuo? Yeah. I would. Mm -hmm. Is that where things really started to to come to fruition for you? Yeah. So like, um, I really got into this whole idea of like getting 10,000 hours of practice. Um, and when I moved to New York, one of my first goals was to really find like a dope producer that would like tell me I wasn't good, like would push me to get me to another level. And I ended up finding this guy um, through just just being out and meeting different people and actually a friend of us a friend of ours connected us but this guy named simon says and we were both figuring things out together but he was the first producer or just person that i worked with that was really like always giving me feedback and wasn't just like easily impressed you know and was learning himself on production but just 
I think he understood like what it took, like just maybe what it took a little bit more. So he pushed me a lot and we took a while, but we finally came together and got the EP done. And that, and when I say a while, it was like us making songs. Oh, it's okay. Make, make another one, be hype about it. Oh, it's okay. Make another one, maybe like put something out and like continue to just figure out my sound. And then that is what put together like that 2AM Cruise project. But in the meantime, in between there, one of my strengths have always has always been putting events together and bringing people out. So I was doing shows like throughout New York and I didn't really have too much music out there at the time besides like Room 102 and like a few singles that we had put out in between. And like it started to like gain a little bit of a following in New York City. So by the time I put out the EP, I kind of had a little bit of a base. Um, and and yeah, so I would say that's the beginning of like Nana Be Cool for sure. And for um, sure. do you are you very critical of yourself when it comes to songs? Because you mentioned that you know you you were working with with Simon Says, and mm -hmm. you you wouldn't necessarily put everything out that you've created. But, you know, mm -hmm. it, it took a while to put the EP together. I mean, I don't know what's a while. I mean, mm -hmm. some people make an EP in a night. Others might take a year, two years, three years. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Are you very aware of how the music gets received by your audience? Or do you like to drop Lucy's, let's call them, here and there for people to enjoy? Mm -hmm. I mean, I think at this stage, I'm about to be dropping way more music, especially after putting this album out. And at that in that era, I was like figuring out my sound still, mm. you know? Um, yeah, I was definitely just figuring out my sound still, sending it to like, I, I have like these old emails where I send it to like six different friends, like, yo, this is a demo, what do you guys think? Like getting feedback. I still, I still get feedback from people, of course, but I just understand what I'm doing so much more now. You know? How much do you value feedback like that? Is it something that you that you is it actionable often that you say, hey, I'll I'll take it and I'll change stuff if people tell me to, or mm -hmm. how much feedback do you take in and actually apply to to what you do? Um, for just for just a listener that is a friend of mine that I like, maybe I I think their ear is great. It's it's a part of it, you know. At the end of the day, I I make the ultimate decision. I take everything into account. You know what I mean? I take everything into account. Mm -hmm. um, if it's somebody that's working on the project with me, that's a totally different thing. You know, like we're talking about song structure and like what we want this song to mean to us and how we want it to be received. That's like a whole nother thing. But just like sending out to friends and like seeing if they like it or whatever. If somebody says they don't like it, it's like, okay, cool. Like, I wonder like, why don't you like it? You know yeah. what I'm saying? And then maybe we go from there. Um, I'm always open to feedback. It just, it depends on who the person is, like what they're saying and how they give it, like what their reasoning is behind certain things is like how I take it for real, for real, you know? You mentioned something about putting uh, putting in 10,000 hours. Mm -hmm. There's a song actually on the EP, on your 2AM Cruise EP mm -hmm. called 10,000 Hours. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think it's interesting that, you know, it's 27, or actually the release is 2017. The recording mm -hmm. is some sometime two years before that. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned things like, then I quit my job in Chicago for some songs and some downloads. Yeah. I need more dough in my wallet, mm -hmm. damn it, I need a new income. Yeah. Um, yeah. Was it worth going through all of that if you look at yourself today? Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. How for important, sure. though, you do, do you think is this extra security of having having a job? Like, let's assume people are tuning in right now, hearing mm -hmm. this episode and wondering if they should go that 
that make that step and, and mm. quit everything they have to pursue their their passion and their love for music. I mean, I don't know if I I don't know if I would say like, yo, quit your job and like pursue your passion. I think it depends on the person. I think it depends where you're at in it. Um I I think also, you know, you can have a like you can have a nine to five and get off work. Like in that in that song I talk about a nine to five and a six to mm. nine. You know what I'm mm. saying? So like you can have a nine to five, get off work and then pursue your other thing and then hopefully the thing you're really pursuing takes over the nine to five and you get to that level. Like that's possible. Some people can't really do that. Like just certain personalities just need more of like more time. And like, they'd rather like maybe work a waiter job or catering or whatever. Um, and it do something like a couple of days a week. And then like the rest of the time, they're just pursuing their thing. Um, there's just different ways to go about it. You know what I mean? Like, Some people even have been learning, like a lot of people like have been learning how to DJ in New York and like, that's like a, like easy side money or whatever. Um, so it really depends on how you like, what do they say? Like there's different ways to skin a cat. Is that, is that what people said? Yeah. So like, I'm not sure what that's saying. <laughs> I don't know. That sounds kind of weird. I, I don't want any, I don't want, oh, that's some American <laughs> shit. Um, <laughs> um, anyways, yeah. I, I, yeah. I think it just, it really depends on the, on the yeah. person, man. Yeah, um, and like, the creative space or being an artist is like being an entrepreneur. Everything is uncertain. You know, like if you're selling a product, like everything is uncertain. And as an artist, it's tougher because you're literally the product, you know? <laughs> so, so yeah. Yeah. You did it though. You took the risk. Yeah. A, a while ago to, you know, put out this EP and here we are in 2023, you've released your, mm -hmm. your second album actually. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm to everyone listening right now. Uh, the album is called Good Luck Volume One. It came out a couple yeah. of weeks ago. Yeah. Incredible album. Thank And you. And you've, you've put out a couple of songs to promote the album, mm -hmm. among which were also Lifeline, for example. Mm -hmm. Now, Lifeline ends up on the Apple Music radio show hosted by okay. Ebro mm -hmm. last year. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, uh -huh. sure, not sure if you remember that. They picked yeah, they man. picked Lifeline for for their playlist. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So for those who don't know Apple Music, we've probably heard of that. Ebro, the host <laughs> is a very influential radio personality, also known as a host on the New York radio station Hot 97 very famous radio station. So all of this is a pretty big deal. Like it shows that mm. your music is getting traction. And I'm wondering, do you remember the impact of them picking a song like Lifeline and adding them to your playlist and playing it on the show? What kind of impact did that have on your career at that time? Or did it have any? I don't, ah, damn, it's so weird. It's like, I feel like if you would have told me this when like 2013, 2012, I'd be like, whoa, really? That's crazy. Um, and I'm super grateful for it. I really am. Um, I think it, I mean, it just brings more listeners. I don't know. I think sometimes the impact isn't direct, you know, like I'm not even sure where you first heard, heard of, heard of my music, you know, so it could have been there. Like mm. you just never know. It's like this, it's like this, uh, you're on like a, what's the word? You're on like a road trip and you're just picking people up. Right. So like, that's like another stop on the road trip and maybe like 40 people listen to the song, maybe 50 people listen to it and want to go back to listen to more stuff. Um, and, you know, maybe pe some people heard it and just kept it moving. Mm -hmm. 
but like you just you just never know i mean i i'm super grateful for it definitely um it just makes me want more yeah 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 but <laughs> yeah it just motivates me for more yeah yeah, yeah exactly mm-hmm. i was i was just gonna ask like what what does that do to you when you i mean it's 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 not mm-hmm. it's not just any placement i mean it's a pretty big brand mm-hmm. there's a pretty big name mm-hmm. behind it um mm-hmm. is that is that success to you like do you feel successful in these moments uh i feel happy i think One thing I will say about that specifically is I used to work at Apple. Like I was working at Apple part-time cool. <laughs> and I, I lost my job during COVID. <laughs> and it was cool to see coworkers be like, yo, he used to work at Apple. Now he's on the Apple playlist. I'm just <laughs> like, like, that's cool. You know, like that's some redemption, I guess. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. So that's dope. Um, but yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how would you how how do you define your success? Like what when do you feel successful with what you do? I mean, I don't I don't I'll be honest, I don't know if I feel successful. Um I have like these goals that I like want to attain and I think um it's really tough in the creative space because I feel like you set these goals, you achieve these goals and sometimes you're just like, "Oh, like that was it." Um Like there's this movie, uh, it actually is like, is a Disney movie. Like I think it was called Soul. Mm-hmm. Very good movie. And it was talking about this, yeah. And it was talking about this like, uh, I think it was like a piano teacher or something. And he wanted to perform at a certain venue. Um, like I think he died, but then he had like a chance to do all that stuff or something like that. I it was forgot, a jazz but, musician, I think, right? Or something, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was a jazz musician. And he ended up playing at the venue. And then after the thing, he's just like, okay, like what's next? And they're like, you do it again. And like, you do it again. And you just keep doing it again. Like it's not over. So like, I'm just in this journey and I'm enjoying the journey. I'm enjoying meeting other people. I'm enjoying working on my craft and just like figuring out what's next. But I'm also trying to figure out how to like really live in the moment of stuff too, you know? So so would you say yeah. that there, there there haven't really been moments where you felt like... I mean, do you do you live in the moment to the point where you don't think about the bigger dream and the bigger goals? Yeah, I'm not like, I mean, I want to get there. Like I look at the numbers and stuff and different things inspire me. Like honestly, like being in Berlin and doing, I don't know how many shows I did, like 10, 12 shows, like from November to February and doing some shows in Basel and London. That's, that's amazing. Like I... I definitely take moments like backstage. I always do this thing backstage before I perform where I like, I warm up my voice, um, kind of like say a prayer to myself and I look in the mirror and I'm like a little bit nervous and I'm like, this is what you wanted. And then I just go out there, you know what I'm saying? So like, like those moments. And then like after the show where people come up to you or if like I see a line outside, it's like, what? Like, that's crazy. You know, um, like that's crazy to me. Like, You want to come and see me perform. Like you could have done anything tonight and you want to come and see me perform. That's like, that's all I could ever ask for. You mentioned that you've been to Berlin before, but that was that your first time performing in New York? Uh, no. So 2019, I did a show. Uh, I for, This girl found me on like Instagram and she booked me a show in London. And then I connect. I was like, man, if I'm going to be in London, it'd be dope to visit Berlin. So I did a show in Berlin too. It was a smaller show, but like that was my first like foray into Berlin and then I sort of just kind of fell in love with the city uh, like that first time around. What did the city the city do to you creatively? 
Man, it's like, I think it's just open to be creative, if that makes sense. Like, there's more space for it. It's really hard to explain. I think in New York, like, there's a lot of creativity, but, like, we're all hustling. And there's so many of us, and we're living on top of each other, and the train is stressful, and we're just we're just hustling, you know? In Berlin, even though I think maybe the people that are from there might feel like what I was just explaining, to me, as somebody coming from New York... I just feel like there's just room to breathe and there's more space and like you get into the studio and it's just a little bit calmer. I don't know, just, it's just chill. Like you feel like you have more time and I don't know if it's because maybe I'm a visitor, so I feel that way, but um, I just felt like there was just more space for me to just develop on my creativity. Like there's no rush. I'm just like, I'm just doing what I got to do, you know? Yeah, totally. I, I what I was wondering when I when I was reading about you you being in Berlin and you doing also the shows in Switzerland and the UK, mm -hmm. uh, how easy is it to do shows over there? Um, I mean, did you did someone reach out to you? Do you have connections there? Like, how did that whole thing come about for you to be on stage so often in in all these countries here? There's like two sides to it. Like, I reached out to people that I had already met um, in Berlin. Like, I knew a decent amount of people in Berlin, to be honest. And like I set up two shows prior um, and then I had a friend, uh, he's a dope artist. His name is Noah Slee. Um, he invited me to this writing camp in Berlin. So the first week there, we, we just made music with like, I don't know, five producers, five artists, just making music for like six days. And then through that, I started working with the producers that I met there, like individually. And my first show that I did in Berlin opened me up to do more shows and I just kept reaching out to people and I kept going like I just kept making myself available so if somebody's like yo there's a jam session tonight I'll come through and I'll freestyle and then I meet more people that way you know and then I'll do it again and I did it in Basel too you know like I just put myself out there like as much as possible you know like whether it's in person or online but like in person is really my strength like I'm gonna go and talk to somebody. Like I'll ask, mm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And like, honestly, a lot of the time, like the music like led itself. Like those jam sessions where it's just different when somebody's just at a jam session and you pull up and you just start singing and they're into it. Like it, it just changes the game. Cause now it's like, they're seeing you perform, but they haven't even seen you really perform yet. Cause I'm just freestyling at this point. Um, awesome. So, so yeah, yeah, yeah man. So, so you, mm -hmm. you, you mentioned you know a couple of artists that you've that you've met throughout your journey i was wondering if you had mm -hmm. one or two artists who are also or who are just getting started in the music in, in the music industry and want to start a career in music that you might mm -hmm. want to shout out or that that you think should be on people's radar because of their talent mm -hmm. and what they do yeah uh like some artists that i work with or just like period period whatever you have in mind whoever you period. want to to mention here we'll add them to the unsigned hype playlist uh -huh to make sure that yeah. people can discover them. Okay, I gotta say my guy, Don Knock, he's actually on Greenlight. Um, really amazing. I, Yeah, he's a producer too. Like, he just goes hard. Like, I was on the phone with him yesterday for like two hours and he was just telling me like, of all these ideas he has for like his project and and just all these things like he's working on. Um, and another person, I mean, I'm just, I guess I'm gonna just keep it in the family, but there's another um, artist, her name is Courtney uh, on, on Instagram. She goes by King Courtney. And she's like, she's been around, but she's sort of starting out and figuring out like her sound. And um, she's just been performing a lot throughout New York. 
and um she has an album that she's working on too and like she has an incredible voice and um i mean both those people are just like working so hard on like getting their stuff together um to release out to people so yeah. awesome if someone's tuning in right now and is in that mm. position of of wanting to to get started um with a career in music and follow their passion mm. what what are some of the advice that you would give to that person i think my main advice is just like what like don't think about like the quitting the job thing and all that stuff i would say just do it right so like if there's an open mic somewhere like just go um get on the mic and like talk to people afterwards um if there's a studio that you could go to to work on stuff actually not even a studio if you can buy a microphone <clears throat> excuse me get a interface find a producer or learn how to make beats get beats online just like just just figure out ways to like be creative, just like create. Like, that's what I say. Like, don't think about the end goal stuff, just create, like make a song, make another song, um, put together a show, like just do all these things, just do all of those things that I'm talking about. You know what I'm saying? Like, just do it and continue to do it. And like, things will come that way. Like, I know that sounds corny, but things will come because you're just gonna continue to meet people that are better than you, that are starting, that are just on your level. Like, you'll start to make your music family that way. You know? Yeah, that's what I'd say. My last question is, what do you do it all for? Man, that's a good question. Um, I think I do it for like my 14 year old self that was like spending hours on end downloading illegal music, <laughs> downloading music on LimeWire, making mix CDs for friends or girls. Um, like I'm doing it like for the person, for that. Like I just remember like when I first heard certain music and I was just so happy hearing it. You know, I was just so hyped to share it with my friends. You know what I mean? Like, that's like who I'm doing it for. Like, we were just like, we were just so hyped to see who's number one on 106 and Park or like put your friend on to somebody they might not have heard of before. Like, that's who I'm doing it for. Like those types of people, you know, But like, I feel like those are the people that take you to the next level um, and they just care so much, you know, so like, that's who I'm doing it for. Nana, thank you so much for this uh, awesome conversation. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Oh, yeah, man. Thank you for having me, man. This was great. This is great. <laughs> this was Unsigned Hype Episode 5 with Nana Bikul. The track you're hearing right now is called Screens, off of Nana's latest album, Good Luck, Volume 1. You will find the song in the Unsigned Hype podcast playlist, along with all other songs discussed in this episode. Make sure to support Nana by checking out his music and following him on social media. And for your weekly unsigned hype, make sure to also follow us on Spotify and Instagram. All the links are in the show notes below. Games. Uh, I really wanna know more of ya. Yeah. Hell, I 
that shifts in your ways Girl, you're still in this phase What you been going through? I've been trying to be patient I don't think I want you I need more truths Anyone can see I got it I'm healing from some past wounds Why you calling me? Standing in a back room You still calling FaceTime in the bathroom Saying things that we both know that you won't do Look good on my screen but it comes Like when it was to you on the screen